repeating him. We are repeating him. We are believing him. It's time for us to shift our mind from best in the world to best for the world. Make decisions intentional. To take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional. Welcome to FIDE, Foundation for Intentional Decisions and also Latin for Trust. My name is Stella Nordahl and I do this broadcast together with my colleague Jens Rinald. Welcome Jens. Thank you Stella. Good to be here and to explore on this journey together with you. And what we are going to explore today are the four loops. And what are the four loops? Um, what do they mean? Um, how do they fit in into the FIDE program, into the uh, aspects that we are going to explore in these uh, 10 episodes? And how have they actually developed? Um, I think that's a good maybe starting point for where do they come from? Uh, what is actually a loop? Um, Stella, can you give us some, <laughs> some input on that? Definitely. Uh, and uh, talking about loops, we have to have some kind of uh, idea on what that is. So, of course, it's uh, very crucial for talking about those. I would say you can call them learning loops. It was actually something that was introduced already in 1991. Uh, in that case, the second loop learning, um, which was uh, a guy called Chris R. Guiz. He uh, wrote a book in talking about teaching small people how to learn. Yeah. So it was about not only learning itself, it was how do we learn. So that was the second loop on how to learn. So that is actually already the second loop. Um, if you spend a minute on, on, on exploring this, uh, what does it really mean? It's like instead of uh, not only talking about what we are doing, he basically describes how do we do it, right? So if I understand you correctly, and that is two loops uh, of, of learning, not looking at what I'm actually learning topic-wise, um, um, yeah, what I'm exposing myself to, what I'm mm -hmm. exploring and learning, but also how do I do it and how do I approach the topic, actually. Yeah, how to learn, learn to learn, I think, was one yeah. of my teachers always said. Mm -hmm. <laughs> learn to learn, and that's very interesting in, in the topic of learning, of course, if you're... Uh, a teacher in a school or a pupil in a school, a student of some kind at university level. Uh, when I was studying in the university, we talked also about how to learn and what was a good study technique. Mm. That was how it was expressed at that point. And um, that was approximately when, when Chris uh, Arguez presented this idea. Um, and you can look at it on how you do something. Mm. Um, 
when I came into um, the knowing of the second loop and the third loop, which is also presented already beforehand, it was um, in a conversation with Pontus Rysted, uh, which uh, is also the one of the creators of the fourth loop. And at that point, when I came into uh, contact with Pontus for the first time, it was because he was working in innovation, which is also a form of learning and learning uh, new things, of course, but it, one, one could say that the, what Chris Aguirre is, uh, presented was very interesting, talking about how you learn, but then there is a, a third loop which was introduced uh, in 1996 in a book called Diversity Management by Robert L. Flood and Norma R. A. Rom, and what they did was talking about a third level of learning and, and innovation, maybe we can call it also, but uh, um, a third loop of, of learning was uh, the triple loop learning was what they called it and then you're talking about what is what is learning itself hmm. what 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 is the concept of learning what is the concept of innovation what is um, a human hmm. that's very interesting so it sounds very interesting in, in the way, especially, I guess, in, in, in the sense of innovation, mm. because it, what I'm understanding from this triple loop learning is, um, yeah, actually, why do we learn? What is the, um, and then how can we look at things not from, from a different perspective, right? From a mm. different angle. Mm. Um, and that is often where we found new insights, uh, often where we find uh, this innovation, because we are now seeing things from a, from a different perspective. Mm -hmm. And uh, in, in some of the previous programs we have done here in uh, the FIDA series, we talked about um, the tree metaphor. Uh, and I, I would like us to, to stay with the tree metaphor for a while, because what very often is seen is in uh, in uh, the second and third loop learning or third loop uh, innovation or whatever we call it it's a liner structure so what we what i want us to do for a while is to explore how can we how can we uh, see the connection between a liner model and a, a non-liner model as the tree metaphor so if it's okay with you uh, i would like to stay for a while with the, with the tree metaphor which we presented uh, early on in one of the previous episodes. Um, this is a so-called uh, theory of everything by Ken Wilber uh, called equal all quadrants all levels and what we see here is that we have in the upper left corner what is very often seen as the behavior and uh, for a person which is on the left side in this model the, it's also in, in a work context, it's competence level and work task and stuff like that. And we went through this in, in this episode. So if you want to know more about it, you can go into uh, to one of those episodes and, and find the tree metaphor. And then there is the organizational or the, the, the group level or um, what can you call it, context level of it. Then it's structure and systems, it's tooling and equipment. And very often we find financial results or budgets or... Um, plans and stuff like that and then um, below the surface or, or beneath the, the the surface there is like a cultural level uh, of everything 
from the personal side it's about uh, personal values uh, work engagement leadership and so on and on an organizational level core values uh, maybe a shared vision and so on so this is a non-liner um, model and if we if we use that for a while to look into um, uh, what can we call it um, a liner model um, we have to to be able to see that there is some kind of similarity with the non-liner model so in this case we have taken the equal model and 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 um, laid it down and then we have this quite simple liner structure where it goes from beliefs via thoughts to behavior and it's out in the actions that we interact with each other that is how we are being taught and and in that in that uh, liner model, there is an outer and an inner world which are separated, which we talked about uh, in also one of the previous episodes. Yeah, and, and what I think is important here to realize is that Ken Wilber says in his uh, equal model that everything happens at the same time. So all aspects, uh, what which you just described, are basically happening at the same time. So it is not as if you would look at the first loop, second loop, or third, third loop, or what you described right now, the beliefs, thoughts, and behavior, they are not going from one end to another end and then mm. back and forth. And then mm. this is how we think our thinking maybe influences our behavior, and then we can see the behavior and uh, mm. work on our thinking of how we approach it, which is basically the second uh, learning loop. Mm. And we can put in, and actually, before we, we we can actually add the loops, uh, the first, the second, and the third, so that people can can relate to them. Uh, there we have them, um, the the what's, the hows, and the whys. And this is quite interesting because this is also a connection that has been made uh, previously to to um, to uh, the fourth loop, and uh, connecting this to more or less start with why and and uh, Simon Sinek's ideas on on how an organization uh, can inspire and how, how leaders can inspire. inspire. Mm. And uh, what I wanted to, to add here is that um, even though it seems like we're going through this linear model by, by first becoming aware of our, of our behavior and then about how we approach uh, uh, learning or our behavior with our thoughts, and then we become even aware of the third loop reflection of our beliefs, at some point, where you realize, even though it seemed like a linear model, that it's not. Mm. Then you understand that everything is happening at the same time. Mm. And I think that doesn't mean before it didn't happen at the same time. It's just at some point you become somehow aware of, mm. oh, actually everything is happening at the same mm. time. And, and, uh, and at the same time, it's a linear model that we have been taught. Uh, we were told that there was an outer world which was measurable and objective and that there was an inner world uh, which you couldn't measure and that was subjective but that we also explored in in, uh, in the first episode actually in in this program where we realized that this uh, at some point we have mistaken an an uh, inner metaphysical subject idea for being an outer objective reality uh, which is quite odd uh, when you say it because it's like um, uh, we have based the whole Western society upon this idea, a metaphysical idea, which we have then 
believed in so much that we we think that is uh, actually a true uh, in itself. And and if we want to explore that more, uh, please uh, uh, go to episodes one in this series, and we have a, a deeper <laughs> conversation on that. Okay. Also introducing new ideas on, on how to look at the outer and inner world and should we even separate it? So we have now a complex worldview where and a non-linear uh, outlook and description. Mm -hmm. um, but so far we have only talked about the three loops. Mm -hmm. That's um, right. So you and Pontus, uh, our colleague, mm -hmm. uh, you have been working on actually the fourth loop and yeah that's right so, and we can we can uh, add that now to uh, to description and the background for that was that to with intentional decision as a as a model for for being aware that there are um, choices and in the next step having it as an ethical framework for our choices and when we are chosen then get the effect of that choice um, it imp implies itself there is a fundamental assumption when you when in this model when you present it and that this uh, that is that there is always a choice and if that assumption is an, on some level at least um, relevant or, or right or whatever you can call it then not only the physical um, material is fundamental also uh, some kind of a conscious agent or a, con a consciousness in itself would be fundamental uh, not ex excluding the the materia but um, adding on to it in some sense exactly how we don't know and this is also that is something that has been studied in in uh, theoretical physics and uh, and um, yeah for a long time and um, i would say is within cosmolo cosmology something that is also seen as the hard problem because if the story that we were told that the only thing that exists is what we see then there is a problem with consciousness itself because the hard problem is is uh, and that we explore us in the first episode the hard problem is that you need consciousness to be able to talk about consciousness at the same time it's supposed to be arised by some kind of a I don't know, complex structure uh, so Intentional decision itself uh, implies that there is uh, a fundamental level called consciousness. And that means that everything that we're talking about as truths, more or less, are assumptions. And this is what you can can actually see with the intentional decision model, that there is a, a, root, a root metaphor for how the world is created. Uh, and for very long in the Western world, this root metaphor has been the machine metaphor. Uh, giving a rise to effic efficiency, of course, so effective uh, way of working. We measure stuff, and what is not being able to measure is not existing. So um, what we realized is that we need a new metaphor. And while we got th this idea, uh, Pontus and me, we also realized that everything that we hold as true could be seen as assumptions. And can we choose new assumptions for pretty much everything what what will then happen it doesn't say that the previous ones were wrong more that maybe the, it could be another one so this will be a root level and a fourth loop of we can call it learning or fourth loop of innovation but also a fourth loop of how we decide upon stuff 
Hmm. I mean, you mentioned a lot of things here, so let me try to to uh, figure this out a little bit and then dive deeper into into these things. Uh, we will have in an upcoming episode, we will dive a little bit deeper into the fundamental assumptions. Mm-hmm. Um, but what I'm interested in right now is um, what are some of implications of, of the metaphor you have described, mm-hmm. of the machine metaphor. And, mm-hmm. and you already mentioned uh, the industrialization that is basically built up on this because we, we have created a tremendous efficient output. Um, we we have seen the, the rise of... Uh, um, plants uh, in in the way of uh, uh, production plants, mm-hmm. uh, factories. That's the word I was looking for. Factories, uh, and as you said, famous quote also: "You, you only can uh, manage what you measure." Mm-hmm. Um, so it has helped us to come to a very efficient way of of, of uh, managing or also producing things. Mm-hmm. But right, right now, I think we fee, we we see ourselves in in due to the COVID nineteen situation in a in find ourselves in a situation where everything that is not really sustainable is building uh, is breaking down, hmm. and that is what we believe is is the sign of uh, that a new metaphor is is emerging or or is relevant or as as you would put it, I guess that we have to choose a different way, a different metaphor of yeah. how we look at the world. Mm. And when we do so, everything changes, as, as you said previously, that uh, Ken Wilbur also, when we presented the tree metaphor, uh, he said that everything happens at the same time, more or less. And uh, uh, if, if, we, if we again take this uh, picture, which I just uh, put forward, the fourth loop, you see here that we are in some sense try to put the tree lying down to be able to even talk about it because there is a problem with a, a liner model uh, when you go, want to go to a non-liner one. Uh, another way to, to, to show that is actually talking about two different models. Uh, a liner uh, having, we can call it four levels or four loops or whatever we call it, and a non-liner where we realize that at every point in the tree, there is uh, the whole tree. So it doesn't separate itself. Um, it doesn't separate the what's and how's from the why's and the roots. It doesn't say inner and outer or anything like that. It actually says that there are functions that are mainly seen in a what or in a how or in a why or in a root, but it all contains all parts of the tree. And this is actually what happens in a tree metaphor, that everything is present at the same time. And even if you can or cannot measure something, it doesn't exclude it from being real. I mean, to be honest, the the only reality I can actually experience is what I really experience as reality. That should be denominated real, and it can't be compared to some other realities could be more real or less real or whatever it is, but it has to be either real or not. And I, I would say what I experience as reality is, is real for me. So, yeah. um, so this is what the tree metaphor is actually doing here. It's, it's, it presenting a, a more holistic, we can say holistic way of, of talking about uh, a person, an organization or a society. 
or the the world itself and and when you talk about uh, here um, it gets me a little bit curious because um not only curious also eager to to let's let's decide upon this because the last um, weeks or maybe months uh, as a society or a world we have actually developed maybe 10 years or 15 in, in consciousness and that's very interesting what was uh, totally impossible half a year ago is uh, is happening now yeah and i need to think of the name of the program FIDE itself because i think that is one of the i would say core assumptions or beliefs that that hasn't been seen so much in in the way we we live and organize so trust hasn't been really one of the um, organizing or guiding principles to design the systems that we have nowadays i mean uh, for example if we would have trust then we wouldn't have to write down anything uh, if you would trust me uh, and if i would trust myself i would only say the things that i believe i can deliver uh, I would only um, say to you, uh, yeah, what I can do, mm. and and we wouldn't have the need actually to write it down and 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 in afterwards mm. to kind of prove that we had this agreement. Mm, well, that's right, and not in that sense. Maybe we have to put it down so we can remember or we can control afterwards, but not in in sense of controlling more checking uh, not checking in in terms of controlling more if you have a quality system for instance is it there to um to emphasize and leverage maybe to even amplify trust or is it there to control trust as something that is not really trustworthy <laughs> uh, are you really really trustworthy are you there to to actually uh, to do what you said you were going to do so yeah i, I believe this is um uh, extremely interesting moment in time and I'm so glad that we we can experience this and, and also taking part in in the choice forward and to decide upon uh, what society we do we want to build and what paradigm do we want to amplify yeah and then as soon as you said I'm, I'm eager to to test this or you know to to co-create actually this new society um, it brings us back to the complexity so what happens really if we choose different assumptions? What happens if we choose different routes? And at the same time as we do it, it will have an effect on, on our mm -hmm. beliefs, mm -hmm. on our thoughts and, and our behavior. Yeah. And maybe it takes a time to, to be implemented or mm -hmm. to be uh, realized. Uh, but that doesn't mean it is really going through a linear process from, from roots to behavior. But everything happens at the same time, and mm. um, yeah, the maybe the level of of uh, the awareness of how it is spread into all these areas mm. uh, takes a moment uh, because sometimes we need we have need time to adjust to new belief systems. We need to train ourselves in the habits uh, of new beliefs. Mm. Uh, Get ourselves familiar with yeah, new assumptions. Definitely, yeah. and we can we can look for instance. Uh, you, you said earlier here that uh, now COVID nineteen has shown us what organizations and what companies and what societies are sustainable and what is what are not or resilient or whatever we call it. Um, it brings me into thinking of in a previous episode also we we um, 
we dug into the intentional decision model and we did it from the tree metaphor perspective or perception. So um, just to recall that, uh, we could also look at sustainability itself. What happens if we, if we talk about sustainability in a certain belief system? And uh, the next picture uh, we're going to look at is, uh, is actually the intentional decision model from, seen from a, a perception of, of those um, trees. And in this we have, um, of course, there are many worldviews uh, that could be relevant. But the, in this picture we have four, uh, which I believe is, is very relevant because it's... Um, and we went through this, so if you want to dig deeper again, uh, please uh, go to a previous episode on this, on the intentional decision model. But just to recall it a little bit, uh, we have the first tree to, to the right here in the picture. It's... For you who listen to this, it's a, a tree which is only able to see crowns, its uh, own crown or other organizations or uh, societies or persons' own crown. We can call it the system. And, and um, um, it measures everything in, in types of results. So the what level is, is uh, what is present. And then we have the uh, next one we call it the formal we. Uh, it also acknowledge the how level, which is relevant for the second loop, of course, so you can actually see that there is some kind of a how, but you also have, be, you must be able to also choose a new how to be able to actually see this. And um, if, if you're at this uh, level of consciousness or whatever we call it, you can also realize that the, the physical me in this case, or, or they have a wow, how, but you they are not aware of it it's interesting because in all four stages there's a whole tree it's not just the, yes, the crowns mm. so even the tree only recognizes the crown maybe mm. in other trees there is still the whole tree yeah but there's a very limited uh, causality of course because the causality is only in the parts that you recognize or, or that you are aware of so you try to find a causality within that description and for those two trees, the formal we and the physical me, uh, again, the, the core assumptions or, or the fundamental assumptions here or the root metaphor has been the machine. And, and the, in, in, in various forms, it has been the, the clock, it has been the machine, and now it's the computer, more or less. That's the language we talk about. That's how we have built our society, our, our institutions. Uh, school, for example, you know, the ring, the bell. <laughs> it's actually what's happened in the factory. The bell is ringing. And you have to go in and everyone has to start at the same point at the same time you more or less check in at the same time uh, why is that i mean uh, we know from learning uh, and, and from um, and from um, for instance if we if we study how people learn best um, it varies some people learn best in in the mornings others in the evenings and so on so but the system itself it starts at 8 a.m or whatever it is and it ends at five o'clock in the afternoon and, and, and this is uh, interesting in itself because the system itself is amplifying itself. So if you have such a worldview based on the machine metaphor, it will produce more of, it, of itself. So, um, for instance, uh, what is your production date? <laughs> hmm? That is how we are educated. because And we are educated. It's not like exploration. It's an education. It's something that we are educated into. So there is a truth and we are supposed to, to learn it and, and we're supposed to uh, uh, even uh, repeat it.
So that's that's how how you look at learning, and and uh, for the next tree there it's called created together. Then there is at least a, some awareness of that there are roots. So there is something below <laughs> the ground, and um, we can call it the Y level, the purpose, whatever it is. And and the fourth tree here is the conscious united and and. We don't know how many trees there are in this wood, um, but at least we have found this. And it opens up for new assumptions, for finding a new metaphor. And we we have now tried to use the tree as a metaphor for the <laughs> for the for those two trees. Uh, that also limiting of course. It's uh, the machine is limited uh, because it's limiting to to see everything as a machine, and the tree is limited uh, and limiting everything to be seen as a tree. So of course we are already when we choose that metaphor limiting what else there could be a fifth whatever it is uh, or a sixth or whatever there that would be but that 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 will come in a hundred years or something I don't know fifty maybe thirty I don't know and I think it's also interesting because we sometimes run into into the issue of how can we explain this mm. in a, in a language that is really representing the essence of what we mean mm. uh, and I'm, I'm always thinking if, if we look for example at personal development uh, as, as one of the areas where this could be applied I heard a lot of people talking about the hardware and the software mm. and that from time to time we as humans also need an update on the software and here again you see the the, the you know you're trying to describe mm. something which is very complex in itself with a mechanistic language mm. and there yeah i mean i think it's problematic in itself because it can't can never express the essence of what we are trying to explore here so mm. in in some way we have to also find new language new yeah, words right. to really describe um yeah the deeper levels the mm. root levels and what it contains yeah and definitely and it also means that we have to give up some some language uh, in favor of, of new words or new new expressions but also redefine some of them and and again let us let us uh, look at at what's happening uh, within uh, the area of of sustainability just to use one silo itself uh, because sustainability if it's supposed to be sustainable it can't be silos uh, silos in itself but that has actually happened uh, first time we talk about uh, uh, the sustainability it was more or less uh, in silos uh, profit planet people and at some level we realized that they are um, yeah separated <laughs> uh, and to be able to do to see that of course is is also uh, some kind of a leap in consciousness and and the next one is when you realize they're related and that is when the third and, and the second and third um, sustainabilities were um, more or less invented or uh, known as um, first environmental uh, su sustainability um, and then the social in, um, sustainability but the interesting thing is that they were present all the time uh, in some sense but when I was a kid there was like an instruction movie uh, from the authorities here in, in Sweden where we live when when you went away with in the in the archipelago uh, it was an instruction how you got rid of your waste <laughs> so you you were um, you have to have a, a, some kind of an amount of stones to to really get the plastic down to the <laughs> to the mm -hmm. to the bottom of, of the lake or the bottom of the 
of the sea. So sustainability itself, the way we look at that changes as way uh, at the same time we look at the world in with new eyes. And uh, so this is what's happening with with everything, the whole language, every single word, every single um, what was previously known as as a silo. Uh, you realize it. Okay, I can't be in my silo. I can have my uh, special specialty, um, but it's related at least, and maybe also totally interconnected with everything. And, yeah, mm. and I guess that's where we speak about systemic solutions. Uh, working on the systemic level um, if i'm thinking about the sdgs uh, you can't just pick one and then say i'm working for example on sdg 8 but by doing that i may be working against all of the other sdg goals so what you have to do is actually to take a systemic look by putting all of them on the table and say how can we contribute to all of them at the same time mm. and this is very interesting and it's also something maybe we should have in a, in a episode itself uh, how we can uh, use this knowledge that you're actually talking about now uh, and um, and connect the sustainable development goals the SDGs to a new way of looking at the world what happens if we're not stuck in in measuring any longer if we leave that for for instance for uh, in favor of using principles or, or whatever we want to use instead of of uh, of goals or whatever we call it and that's very interesting because we know from for instance from um, complexity um, uh, theory of complexity that if you reduce the system you lose the power of the complexity and the system itself so another way to to work with it is to use heuristic uh, principles and um, you also need some kind of a framework or an assumptions that that are um, enabling stuff instead of limiting stuff so you put up rules not to to hold things together, but uh, to enable stuff, uh, and that is what you can do with assumptions. And then you can uh, use principles to to uh, both navigate and create in in a in a complex system. Mm. Yeah, and I think that is actually also the topic for the next uh, episode mm. i believe mm. if i remember it right mm. assumptions assumptions yes, what right. are the actually the current assumptions that we have right now mm -hmm. what are the assumptions that we i don't want to say want to choose because it's it's that is more on a personal level what i want mm. but it's can. more yeah what we can choose but also what is beneficial for the planet um because we work for what is best for the world. Um, so we should also choose life-affirming habits and life-affirming assumptions. Um, and what are those assumptions? Uh, what could they be? Mm. Um, this is something we will explore. Yeah, further. definitely. And, and if uh, coming back to the, to the fourth loop uh, thinking, that means that we can actually choose, as you say, those assumptions. And when we do so, everything changes in the rest of the tree. Uh, you... Uh, enable new ways of uh, thinking, new ways of working, and new ways of creation stuff. So you enable new whys, new hows, and new whats. All not only limited by the, the assumptions, but also enabled by the assumptions. So every assumption you do is both an enabler and a, and a, and a limiting... Um, in some sense, every belief is a limiting <laughs> belief. 
uh, and, and getting rid of or at least choosing something that is maybe more life affirming, something that is, uh, you, you said it as a more, um, you didn't use the word good, what do you, for the best for, best the, for the world, yeah. Um, and also, I, I believe, giving both um, the person and the organization and the society a common direction. Hmm. I think that's something uh, really interesting, not only from a narrative perspective that unites us as humanity, but also what is the di direction that is best for the world? Um, can we agree on this direction and can we, you know, identify this direction? Um, that's something really interesting mm. to explore further as well, I would mm. say. Yeah, and, um, and so we have uh, up upcoming episodes <laughs> on, on this, of course, and uh, it will be very interesting to explore it further. And, uh, and I would also say that using the knowledge about the fourth loop enables us to have also not only a new way of looking at the world, but again, new ways of working. And also new innovations in the what's new technology, new um, um, yeah, whatever that is set free when when you uh, get you know leave a um, a belief that you have been stuck to for for a long while mm. that opens up a lot of new possibilities, of course. Yeah, and 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 maybe to close the loop here. Uh, is because we started with talking about innovation and looking from a double loop learning on taking different perspectives. But what we are um, exploring here and have been talking about is really taking different assumptions, taking, you can say, a different belief system, a different worldview on how to look at the world. And that is not only a different perspective, but it's really a different perception. So you actually have different glasses uh, on on how to look at the world and you can choose these glasses and then as as we said everything that we look at will look differently <laughs> yes and and uh, when they do uh, it opens up again uh, new possibilities and new ways uh, to both uh, be and and to to live and to uh, explore an experience, of course, and and many things um, are easily, um, more easily at least, uh, understood if you uh, have an experience of it. So hopefully we can also introduce uh, ways to explore later on in, in coming episodes and, and ways to to engage in creating uh, a new story of us. Hmm. Mm -hmm. So maybe we should leave that for today and say thank you very much for both listening and, and viewing if you're on YouTube or on, on Acast or podcast or wherever you are. If you want to listen on the rest of the episodes, um, both the ones that have been already presented and the upcoming ones, um, you find them on, um, on Radio Intentional Decisions uh, channels. So we use the channels for Radio Intentional Decisions and we have put together this episode for theater uh, 10 programs uh, exploring the intentional decisions and the way forward together so thank you very much and uh, bye <laughs>
Decisions intentional. To take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional to take decisions intentional. Making decisions intentional. It creates a new world to mind a shift. Intentionality, perceptuality, conceptuality. We are choosing to shift our mind to best for the world, best for our world. Make decisions intentional. Make decisions intentional, making decisions intentional. Make decisions intentional to take decisions intentional, making decisions intentional.